The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Do you guys remember how to podcast? Not really. I'm thinking about mopeds for some reason. I'm very nervous. I'm very sweaty. What are you? What, what are you thinking about mopeds for? I don't know. We're just in the studio, and I don't remember how to podcast for some reason. Mopeds are in my mind. That is. Conf- that's the symbol of confusion. I'm just very. I'm very. I don't know. What's this thing next to my mouth? I don't know. At any rate, this is Marcus. episode 100 of Super Skull. This is the Super Skull podcast. It's a new. Uh, comic Day Weekly Audio Digest brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff since 1996. I'm here with Marcus Schwimmer. That's me. And Curtis Sullivan. Call me Captain Skulls. I will not. Call me Captain Balls. Thank, Thank you. you. Wait, so uh, Captain Skulls with a Z you want me to call you? No, just with an S. Just I Captain thought about Skull. it. I was thinking like maybe we go Z, but no, just S. I like that you thought about it. I did. I did. For a minute in my mind, I was like, if I write this on like some graffiti and like on a wall, if I get up yeah. on like an alleyway wall, do I want a Z or an S? That's what the, these are the kinds of things that you have to think about. Yep. So hey. went with an S. Marcus, uh, baby Marcus. <laughs> yes, my friend. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Your birthday was yesterday. It was. But um, I'm not going to explain how time works on a podcast. Silly. Uh, but you may not be listening to this on the day that uh, you know that we're recording it. That's how podcasts work. Oh, that's right. How the internet works. That's how that's how podcasts work. Mm-hmm. But you are 29 years old now. I am. I had a wonderful birthday experience. Are you ready to just fucking ride out your 20s on top, just on a fucking flaming chariot, just riding this shit right out into your 30s? Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited for this upcoming year. I got some plans. I'm gonna do some shit. What are you gonna do? Um, I'm gonna get better about like paying my taxes. No, that's not what I'm trying to hear. Come on, you're gonna do something. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, this year, 29th year, you're I, gonna do something. He so said I'm gonna get wild. better at paying my taxes. <laughs> you no. motherfucker. No, 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 no. No, I actually, uh, uh, Curtis's wife Liz has been uh, asking me the same question. And this year, my big thing I'm gonna do that I've never done before is I'm gonna take a blacksmithing class. Okay, and you're gonna forge weapons. So or no, I just wanna, I just wanna like. We're getting there. So, but you're gonna <laughs> sometime this year, your yeah. 29th year on yeah. planet Earth. Yep. Which is the age that Jesus Christ was. Yep. You are gonna. You're. What kind of wild oat are you gonna sow? You're gonna do some crazy shit you've never done before. I find and that thing is. I find the transformation of steel into a usable object quite invigorating. Oh. And therefore, I you're think such black, a, you're <laughs> such an old baby now. I think blacksmithing is gonna be the perfect occupation for my late twenties, early thirties. Marcus. Yeah. I love you just so much. I'm so glad to be back in a <laughs> podcast studio with you. You you know what? You make fun until I make you some beautiful doorknobs, and then we'll see who's laughing. Curtis, how are you doing, man? How's the how's the pa- you haven't been on the podcast in a long like time? Six years. Yeah. What Jeez. how what have you been doing? Like it's been so long. I Where don't... have you been? I'm, there's probably something hilarious and interesting that you've been doing this whole time. I, yeah, I clean my garage. I sound like Marcus <laughs> now when I say it out Whoa, loud. Shit. Wow, it has been a long time. Responsible adulting. I did play through the entirety of a video game called Sleeping Dogs, mm. which uh, I'm in. I'm uh, falling asleep right now. I'm in just China. Just, just thinking about it. I'm a police officer. I'm deep undercover, mm-hmm. and I don't know what side I am. You know which side my bread is buttered. Am I a cop? Yeah. Am I a criminal? This is the this is the story of your video game. <laughs> no, it's the story of my real life. And uh, so yeah, I've done nothing. Um, yeah. You're on a little bit of a vacay. That was some vacay. It was a staycay. It was a staycay. And it was great. I alphabetized my giant video game collection. You were just like puttering around the house. You were cleaning stuff up. You mm-hmm. were fixing things. Yeah, yeah. Some days I uh, only wore underpants in my house alone. Oh, For bad. an entire day? Just, well, when people came home, I would put clothes on. But when no one was there, yeah. it's just the sea dog. Oh, it's glorious. Briefs, just, boxers, boxer briefs, give know? us the scoop. I went, uh, I have briefs. Bo- right. uh, they are, what are the ones called where they're like a, you know, they go down to your legs? It's a boxer brief. Boxer brief. Long Johns. That's my favorite one. <laughs> boxer brief. Was it Long John? Do you have the red f- ass flap Long Johns? I do not. Oh, man, you look no. great in those. But so I, we- I do have red, white, and blue boxer briefs, and they're very Captain America. And I was having a cigarette and a coffee in my garage. In your underwear? In my underwear. Okay. And it was wonderful. Catching Pokemon? Luckily, nobody came by. Probably was. So we were gone for two weeks. A whole lot of things happened in the world. Pokemon Go came out. Yes. And 
And then Pokemon went and Pokemon leave. Still? It's still kicking ass. It's still kicking ass. Yeah, Yeah. it's still a huge thing. I don't want to talk about Pokemon Go, except what team are you on, Curtis? Instinct. What team are you on? Instinct, baby. Woo! Follow your gut. That's the the lowest uh, populated team I read. Well, it is. It when is. you're the best, you have to be selective. You guys are the underdogs. That's right. Oh, yeah. They don't just let anybody into instinct. Nope. That's the no. thing. Team Mystic, thank I, you for I, asking. That's great. We don't give it. Both of you. We don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pokemon Go came out. This, did you guys watch Stranger Things on Netflix? Netflix. Stranger Things came out while we were Almost on vacation? Done. Almost uh-huh. done. Nick, it was really uh, good. Marcus has one. He's got the last episode to go. Yeah. That shit was a heater. It's been a very busy couple of weeks. The continued collapse and disintegration of all of civilization worldwide has just continued apace. We're right on schedule. Yep. Yeah. The we missed the entire Republican National Convention. Yeah. Probably would have been a good week to have a podcast. Oh man, so much material. Yeah. Pick every fan in the world that is now currently covered in shit. And <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Stranger Things though made me want to uh, get some bikes. And cut through somebody's backyard with you dudes. Like oh. I can see the three of us. Do you know if that taking ha- some dope shortcuts through some yards? If we did that, we would be immediately arrested. Absolutely. They For would the criminals. We are. It wouldn't be cute. It wouldn't. They wouldn't call our parents. We would go to jail. Bummer. But they had those dope lights on the front of the. But that's that's the real gem. It did make me want to get walkie talkies though. Walkie talkies. I can make shit. that happen. Do you guys want to get those? Do you remember those like Nokia phones or whatever they were, where it was like they were always chirping? They were like very popular like ten years ago. Yeah, That's it was the worst. Yeah, it was you, Motorola. Yeah, your least favorite person that you knew had one and was always like chirping with some asshole, and it was never important. I own that mattered. phone, no, and you could hear that person. I'm 100. My whole the family. Worst. My whole family on that phone. Did you guys? Did you? Oh guys yeah, my mom be at the grocery store and be like, burp, burp, "What do you want?" I'd be like. Mom, give me some Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Horrible. All the time. My whole family had that. It was the worst. Did you say over? No, I should have, though. You definitely should have said, like, my dad just didn't get your a ears shit on. So come be, back. Be in the middle of class and be like, burp, burp. hey, Marcus. You're like, dad, shut the fuck up. I'm in class right now. You didn't know how school <laughs> worked. Don't, didn't give did, a you, shit. did you tell your dad, shut the. No, because I would have gotten. No. Okay. Dad, shut the fuck up, Dad. <laughs> shut the fuck up, man. I've been art history right now. So, long story short, it's been a long time since we podcasted, and but we're back in the saddle with issue 100 of Seems Super Skull. We've impossible. done this 100 times. Somebody has listened to maybe every episode, maybe one person. I know of one person who's listened to every episode. And his name is me, Nick Warbar. What's up? Clap. Well, uh, <laughs> you clap that out. No, that was me and Nick clapping. Oh, I see. Because we're bros. You were doing a, I see. I I hope that we've gotten better over 100 episodes. There's okay. I want I want that to be true. I know I'm not incrementally probably. Yeah, I hope that something's there. People give us great feedback all the time, so they do. Fascinating, gentlemen. What else do people like about our podcast as we talk about it as we record live for our podcast right now? Please go on. Well, I think that people say that you have a very uh, soothing voice, Nick. Well, that's uh, objectively true. Curtis, I hear most of the time is just like he's wild and zany. Wow, that's that's them. And then most of the time, people just tell me that they disagree with everything I say. With your picks and yeah, one person in Grand Rapids literally came up to me and was like, "I really like your podcast. I think you're wrong on just about everything." I was like, "Oh." At least we're getting a reaction. And it takes all kinds. Yep, that's right. That's the thing. It's three diverse voices coming together Yeah, to the, give you a slice of- There's one thing I think about for Super Skull Podcast. It's diverse. <laughs> that is when I see us three dudes in this room, that's the first thing I yep. think of every time. <laughs> and very, you should. Very diverse. Let's talk about uh, some in the news. Please. June was the biggest month for comic book sales in 20 years. Shut your mouth. When last we spoke, uh, comic books were on a downward trend for the entire course of the year. We were looking at somewhere between 5 and 15% down on the whole year. Really? Yeah, and a lot of they were that was attributed to a lot of different things. Some crossover events didn't ship the way that it was supposed to. There's and it, and that as a result, listener or readership died off. People stopped buying books from these big crossover events. Right. It was, you know, pretty devastating and people were getting a little nervous. But now this got picked up by like beyond the normal media Folks that we are used to reading about comic book news, which is that, which is to say, like hardly anyone. Right. No, the, it got out to like other media, not comic book media. Yeah, people. Yeah, uh, yeah the normies, if you will, are aware of this. So um, I'm just gonna scan through this. These real numbers quick. are pretty bonkers, man. 
Almost nine million comic books sold in a month. Almost nine, eight point. Well, that was a uh, eight point five three million copies ordered, um, the most since nineteen ninety seven. The bubble's about to pop. <laughs> I feel it. We're <laughs> fucked. I, I don't think so. I read a companion article to this that talked about the rise of the all ages graphic novel and mm-hmm. what that's doing uh, to comics as a whole, and it's huge. Raina Tal- Talgemeier is. Uh, New York Times bestseller five times over, and they're all comic books. Yeah. And so there's those other forces at work here, not just the big two, Marvel and DC. So, And we're talking, but this is single-issue comics this is that we're talking correct. about. We're not talking about graphic novels. Right. Um, I was just in reference to the bubble. I think I think we're doing well. So $34.13 million uh, in orders for the top 300 comics. Um the early '90s was in a was it absolutely in a speculation bubble, and it like dwarfs these numbers by significant amounts. But it's because it was unhealthy growth. Right. Right? Sure, it was it was stuff being bought that was like just sitting on shelves and stuff. But now we're looking at Marvel Civil War number two, number one came out. Marvel Civil War two number one. Yeah, that's the sentence I just said. And Batman number one from the DC Rebirth stuff. We're looking at. 381,000 copies and 280,000 copies, respectively. That's a big chunk of books. That's One of the awesome. best thing, best thing about that, both those books are real great. Yeah, and, and as in, like, people are not like there were there was a lot of speculation by for those books. Like the speculators did come out a little bit for those books. Yep. But also a lot of new readership came out because it, anytime you get a big number one like that, it's a great jumping on point. People might hear about it and pick it up. For sure. But the great thing about it is, like back in the '90s, you get a lot of these speculator books, and they'd sell a lot of them, um, but the quality wasn't there. But on both of these books, Batman number one and Civil War two number one. They're both really, they're series that have continued to be really excellent. So this is something that like is very important and impossible to quantify because that's how I feel too, is that the reason that this is different than what was happening in the 90s is because the books are better. And people are reading them also, and, right? But, but that in a, in a book will get you a cup of coffee. Like who gives a shit that they're better? I, I think it matters, but you can't quantify that. You can't, like, study that. There's no way to objectively gauge the fact right. that the books are better. Yep. Um, all we have is do we have, like, sustained growth? And maybe we do. It's kind of early to tell. But I because I totally agree with you. The, the quality of the books is as important a part of this conversation as anything else, but it's also something that we actually can't measure right. in any way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say that uh, the amount of people actually reading these books, I mean, I know you guys in the store are talking with people and you're talking storylines, you know. Yeah. The 90s, we were there. I remember we were selling comics in the year 1997, and people didn't read these books. The amount of time that, right. you know, I'd be like, hey, man, what would you think of that issue one or whatever? Mm-hmm. Oh, I would, I've would. i never taken it out of the protective sealant, mm-hmm. you know. So I think th- I think there is some something to be said for people actually reading their comic books. Sure. Yeah. And but then- again, how do you quantify that? It's hard to say, but... Uh, it it feels like that's what's happened, or piece of it. And so. the last time we spoke, we we talked a lot about how I don't know if you listened to that episode, Curtis. I did. So the the last time we spoke, we talked about the fact that the industry and the the big pillars of the industry. So like, why did we have a good month this month? It's because of a giant crossover book and because of a Batman number one, Marvel and DC, right? Yep, and. I, I contend that the future of the industry is in other types of stuff, that that's where we have really big opportunities for traction is with like your image books and your, your more independent-minded stuff. That's where we have an op- uh, the ability to maybe like aim at people that don't read comics, and that's where all the money is because nobody reads comics. Yep. In a nutshell, that was my argument. Well, I think it's a combination of all the things. Mm-hmm. I want a really strong, healthy Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Those are great characters. People love them. They're legacy characters. People love them. But absolutely, if you want to grow this thing, sustain this thing and and break it out we need all of it yeah you know we need a very healthy all ages market i mean i was talking with people about this just the other day in the store like a mom and a dad who came with their two kids and the comic shop feels like it's cool for a family now yes and that's a you can all probably agree that that has changed yeah you know in the last 10 20 years like big way you know even when like i used to because i've been coming to vault midnight for a long time my parents would be like, all right, we're going to go get a cup of coffee. See you later. And then I would go in and do my vault thing, and then I'd come out. They'd mm-hmm. like, pick me up, and we'd go do whatever was next. So in a nutshell, uh, we had some very grim news from the past year, really. And it was really cool to see some, some, some positive news. 
Yeah, and you know, we talk about this too, man. How, how it's hard to make sense of it because uh, our our store has just seen impressive growth. And I don't know if we want to talk. Do we want to talk about this? But well, we did in depth in the last okay. one. Like anecdotal, it doesn't. It's it's tough for us because it's not the same at our shops as it is for everybody else. And the the books that do really really well for us are not necessarily they don't match up directly with the the top sales numbers. True. Uh, because we're so cool. Humble brag, humble brag, humble brag. Yeah, it, you know, it's hard to make sense of it because, you know, we sell. Yeah, shit. Anyways, we can clap this out. I'm going to clap it. There was no need to clap it out. I don't know why we're clapping. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm rusty. I don't know how to podcast. What do we? What is this? What are we doing? So anyway, good news. Biggest, <laughs> day, biggest month in 20 years. Um, and in other industry news, uh, Asthma Day... Yes. Give me a game that the layman, Marcus, the layman might have played from Asthma Day. Or as I like to call him, Asmodi. Trying to think of what is their like most accessible game. Game that people played the most. We're doing a little clip at the end of all the times that Mark that Curtis says the words, or as I like to say, yeah. and then he completely mispronounces a word, <laughs> and he just did one just now. Nice. So just think about that moment when you're listening to the end of the yeah. show. Yeah. I mean... Time Stories is up there. So Time Stories, we talk about yeah, all, all the, the time. time. You probably yeah. know. What do you, I, don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think what their most played game is. It's tough. Seven Wonders or Time Stories probably is the where you might have heard of them. Anyway, Asmodee, yeah. it's a huge company. They're based out of France originally. I don't know if they are still considered that. But they are trying to take over the entire board game publishing industry mm-hmm. from, from what we can tell. Asmodee is in negotiations to acquire F2Z Entertainment, which owns Z-Man Games. Flat Hat Games and Philosophia. These are the folks that own like Pandemic and Dead of Winter, and they have rights to Carcassonne and French rights to Catan. And they already purchased the rights for Catan. Yes, uh, so they bought the rights to English distribution of Catan. Yeah. So now they'll own English distribution, French distribution, and uh, Z2 or F2Z owns other Catan rights as well, not just French. So. And they've been acquiring companies like Days of Wonder, Fantasy Flight Games. Like, it's it's crazy. It seems crazy. Yeah. These dudes are trying to, and Marcus put it, really interestingly the other day they're they're trying to basically become the Hasbro right. of euro games or these types of games well so the, yeah and there's a lot of rumors going around i've been i've been looking into this conversation pretty heavily because it affects us as a retailer of board games um, because I'm, I'm i'm just being honest like Asmodee has acquired a lot of uh, big board game companies and as they've acquired them getting those games has become harder and harder and they, part of the argument is that because they're spending all this money on acquisition, they're not necessarily spending money on like printings of games or at just this point. infrastructure or infrastructure yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, so the big one, Seven Wonders, is probably yeah, probably their biggest title. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, it goes in three, four, or five month spans where it's totally unavailable. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that a company like this is buying a huge game company like Z-Man, you know, um, it, it's just it's really fascinating. And the big thing is, is I'm reading a lot of stuff on the internet, um, and the next push that they're going to make, apparently, and this is everyone's getting ready for Gen Con. This is all yeah. talk talk behind the scenes, is that they want to challenge Magic: The Gathering in a pretty big way. That's like their next acquisition with move. a collectible card. With game? a collectible card. Aha! Game. Interesting. Yeah. So wow. and really interesting there's stuff. Money in that, right? If they can hit it, you know. Nothing really sticks. Oh, it's tough, and a lot you of know? people have tried. Yep, yep, a lot of companies have tried. Right, but so the interesting thing about Asmodee now is they own, they're kind of three starter games that are typically referenced. Like if you're looking to get into board games, there are three kind of classics that people will steer you towards. It's Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, and Settlers of Catan. They're the big three. Um, and now Asmodee owns all of them. All under one umbrella. That's and those, huge. And those were three completely different companies yeah. when, when they were all published, which yeah. is pretty wacky. So the, the other big talk online is uh, Monopoly. You know, how much do they have to purchase before someone uh, starts throwing the Monopoly card into stuff? Oh, I don't know. I mean, if it's not going to happen to Mattel or, or Hasbro, I just don't. I just well, wonder. I mean, it right. depends. So Hasbro, as far as board games go... They own Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. and they put out a couple of their other games, mm-hmm. like their own independent games. But it's, you know, yeah, they they put out Monopoly and stuff like that. But as far as the the Euro game market, the more um, Euro board game style, I mean, like Asmodee owns way more than Hasbro does. 
if you take out Monopoly and Sorry, and it's almost two different categories. I would be what I would be curious to look at it because I bet the money dwarfs as what Asmodee puts out. I bet I bet the money coming in from those like traditional Ameritrash games is yeah. it completely just, dwarfs everything else that's going out of the Euro game market. Did you just use the phrase Ameritrash. Right. Yeah, dog. Just, just subtly as hell. Just subtly, just, just threw it in Amero there. trash. It's a board game return. Maybe you haven't heard of it. I, I, Maybe you're not familiar with it. Um, but either way, there's you, essentially what's happening is one giant, one company is just gobbling up. Yeah. All the hot. I'm not opposed to it. Those I'm dudes do good games. They design them really well. If they get bigger and can make more, this is the problem with the board game industry. Again, kind of like the comic industry, it's really, really tiny. And so there's not a lot of money for infrastructure because there's just like not that much money going through it. It's a little so seat of the pants. It is a little like. seat of the pants. So yeah. if one company can get their act together and like build it into something a little bit more competent and like like mature the industry a little bit, I'm I'm not opposed to it on the face of it. I'd like to see what happens. Yeah, uh, but like you say, if there's supply issues, you know, and there are which, major supply which we've issues. already had, you know, that could really that but that's tough always, early going. Oh, in, in and there games, is there's always supply yeah. issues. There has been for ever since I've been involved in the industry. It's been cr- it's always crazy. You never know when a board game's coming out. You never know when it's coming back into print. It's better now than it ever has been, actually. I mean, it's just like the, all of the, like of their big heat, Time Stories, Seven Wonders, unavailable, no news. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been that way. Yeah. Um, and now even Z-Man, who does an okay job, as far as a lot of the other board game companies go, a lot of Z-Man games are available. They, I mean, they already have problems keeping out their big heat, their pandemic legacy. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to go to Asmodee, who has a track record right now of not being able to produce their big games in a timely manner. And, like, how long are we going to be out of pandemic? Le- I don't know. I'm just saying it did used to be a lot worse than this. Yeah. Like, we would, we could go a solid year before on, like, like when Agricola came out. Dude. It was the hottest shit on the planet. All anybody cared about was Agricola. I swear to God, it was nine to nine months before the second printing came out. Like, that's much worse than anything that Z-Man has done, where we might, or, or rather Asmodee, where we might see a gap of a few months. Anyway, sorry, this is boring. Do you have anything else on this, uh, Marcus? It's a, it's a big topic. It's a, it's a big deal, and it's already affecting buying. It's going to be the, the big topic of Gen Con, which happens next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's, a, I mean, I, I ordered a shit ton of Pandemic Legacy this week in preparation, yeah. just because we don't know. Um, and so I think it's going to affect the market quite a bit. It'd be really cool if they put all this stuff under one super umbrella and and did a great job. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And we could have pandemic in the store whenever we wanted. I agree. That would be so cool. We shall see. Every week, um, there there are an exact number of comics that come out that equal the number of board game companies that there were before Asmodee bought them all. Mm-hmm. And now as they're all kind of like boiling down to just Asmodee, you can think of these big picks as the ones that are left behind. Very nice. Got it. That was great. I don't know if it was. No, I'm so proud of you. These are the big picks for Super Skull. What the fuck is up? Curtis, what was your pick this week? It was Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens number one. This is a collabo between Dark Horse Comics and IDW. It sounds really nerdy. God damn, it's nerdy, and it's so great. Talk to me. I got to recommend it to all the peoples out there who like Predator and Aliens and Judge Dredd. You think, can you mix all these things together? Does it work? It absolutely works. So what do we know about, so what do we know about a Predator? So a Predator is a race of hunters feared throughout the galaxy. Uh-huh. They go to different planets and they hunt the species of that planet. What do we know by uh, aliens? An alien, also known as the xenomorph, mm-hmm. is maybe the perfect species, as described by many scientists that have studied them. They propagate and they live and can't be killed. Very hard to kill. They're like super beasts. They're like super scary space cockroaches. Mm-hmm. And they get you and plant an egg in you, and then a new one busts out of you. And what do we know about Judge's Dread? <laughs> Judge Dread is the law. He often says, I am the law. Yes. In the future, Mega City One, a super city, they got to boil everything down. They don't got time for like due process and juries and stuff like this. Who has the time? Who has the time? I mean, it's a big city. We got a lot of shit to do. Yeah. So Judge Dredd is the cop and the judge and the jury, and he's also the executioner. I was going to ask if he's the, also the executioner. He will kill you. Okay, cool. For very minor infractions, you know, which is... Yeah, yeah, he has full authority to do it all. Right. So that's what he does. He he rides around town on his really dope bike and scowling, scowling like a motherfucker. He's never happy. Yep. And he and he just uh, 
He mets out justice. So is Judge Dredd, are they invading Mega City 1? No, check this out. So Judge so Dredd is on the prowl for some dudes who caused some trouble in Mega City, so he has to leave. He has to go out into the cursed earth, mm-hmm. which is all the apocalyptic wasteland outside of these Mega Cities. Dig it. Right? And uh, a predator has come to Judge Dredd's planet to hunt. And he brought aliens with him. Because here's what the predators do. They caught some aliens, and they take aliens to planets, and then they throw them out there to get the whatever creatures are on that planet. So they get like a new crazy alien that they can hunt. What? They seed worlds with aliens. Okay. So predator goes down. It's be- The predator starts off the predators being hunted by these crazy experiment creatures. Mm-hmm. So they flip the script on the predator. The hunter becomes, check this out. The, the predated? Yes. So that's where we start. Judge Dredd is on the case. Mm-hmm. The shit is going to hit the fan. Some crazy scientist decides he's going to put an alien into a predator. No. Yeah, dude, so we're going to have an alien-predator hybrid. Wait, don't do that. No, it's yeah. awesome how they do it. It's really cool. Whose idea was that? He, he's this weirdo scientist. Is he who bored? Lives. Why did he do it? Essentially, yeah. It's like a so the scientist dude. It's like Island of Doctor Moreau. He's creating all these animal people. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on in this guy. It's like Island of Doctor Moreau. Judge Dredd, aliens, predators. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's an apocalypse. There's all kinds of shit going on. Uh, very easy to follow. I adored it. Great cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. Super into it, man. Uh, John Layman writes this bad boy. Um, uh, it, it was great. Art's great. Yeah, I had a blast with it, man. I got to say, and if you liked, weirdly enough, if you like Predator and Aliens, it really fits into the overall continuity of Predator and Alien, really works with the established rules of the universes. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. And if you don't give a shit about any of that, it's a really fun, like, action movie. Yeah. With aliens and predators and can stuff. You, can, you di- can you get down on it? Can you, get, can you dig it without, if you don't know anything about those? I things? think it's just jump right in there. It's buttery. Fall right on your predator sword and get up in there cool that shot of the inside of the ship with all his weapons yeah they show like the predator's trophy slash war room and it's just like killing device after killing device after extreme killing device it's very cool have we ever seen the predator in repose what do you mean talk to me hanging out on a beanbag chair sipping a beer relaxing no maxing he doesn't have time to relax. He's got to At hunt. some point, he's got to love. You wonder. He's got to make more little predators. That's true. What's downtime for a predator look like? What's the mating season look like? I guess you got to sharpen all those blades, right? You got to sharpen all those blades. How do they relax? How does a predator unwind is what I want to know. Mm. Does anybody know? I, I have no idea. That's not in the fictional universe anywhere. How does a predator chill? Not that I've seen. There's a market. Well, we I guess we'll have to stay tuned for issue two of Predator oh. versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens from Dark Horse and IDW. It is. It's a team up. Nice. I love it when that happens. Yeah. Marcus, what was your pick this week? Uh, my pick this week uh, was Batgirl number one from DC Comics. So, I was, uh, Nick, I was talking to you yesterday and I made the comment that, you know, without Babs Tar on the art, I don't know if I care about Batgirl anymore, this, this run. Right. Um, because that... Her art was a big reason that I got drawn to that last kind of reboot of the character. Um, but, I, you know, I picked it up, took it home, and I... Then what'd you do? And I read it. Oh, okay. So, well, so for, despite your misgivings about the change in art, yeah, you're like, F it, I'm going to read it anyway. Well, they did something really smart. They took... Uh, ba- for the longest time, Batgirl's been in Burnside. It's kind of like this Brooklyn side of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, you could expect to get a $12 latte there, but that latte would be hand-pressed for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took her to Japan. She's taking a little break from Burnside. She got in a plane. She's going to Japan. She's trying to find this famed um, female superhero from the past called Fruit Bat. It's so dope. And she finds her, and a really amazing thing happens. She's like, no, you need to like get mentored. Um, your training is lacking, and you need to find you need to like have someone teach you kung fu. Essentially, so the, the fruit bat is a, a like a vigilante hero, right? In yeah. Japan, yeah, from the forties, right? Right, and she's she's like a hundred and two. I love that. It's awesome, and so Barbara is now on the hunt to find a a proper mentor, and I think it's just ingenious how they've done. It. They pulled her out of the atmosphere that we knew her in. They they took her to someplace new. They're steeping her in kind of this. Um, Bat family kung fu connection, which we have already with Bruce and the League of Shadows. Um, and I, I think it just fits in really well. 
Uh, Hope Larson has taken over the writing in this book. Um, she has done some other stuff that I really dig. She did an all ages book called Chiggers. Oh yeah, that's very good. Um, and I just I think they did absolutely the right thing. They've com- they've taken a character that was built up by the previous team and they've moved her to a new location so uh, that it's fresh and it meets this new writing and art style. I don't think they skip a beat either tonally. I think it it still feels like yeah. a continuation of the previous story. They don't like kind of flush anything out and start over. I think it, it just doesn't skip a beat. It moves right into this new story arc, this new place. I agree. Same writer, new artist. New writer, new, new, new writer, artist. New writer, new artist. Raphael Abakurki is doing the art. Oh, And I yeah. have to say... Sharp, very nice. I didn't love it as much. Um, but the story and kind of the path that they're putting on Barbara was enough to kind of... I'm very excited to see where this goes. If she can get that cool kind of martial arts training that Bruce got, that's a really interesting story for me, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm all about it. So yeah, yeah. continually uh, d- continuing to develop the character. Right. Yeah, I dig that. Agreed. Fruit Bat is that's just outstanding. It's yeah. just a great character. Yep. Great name for a character. Yep. I haven't read that book, but oh. Fruit Bat is brilliant. And she's awesome. Like I'm ready for the prequel, man. Let's get to the. I'm 40s saying, can we get an origin story yeah, of Fruit Bat real quick? Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Really, really cool. Um, and I also just real quick, I'm going to say that a uh, graphic novel adaptation of Peter Pan came out this week, mm-hmm. uh, adapted by Streff with Finn Crom, um, and I just powered the whole thing last night and this morning, and it is just the most beautiful adaptation of Peter Pan. Those were the I creators have. you were saying there, Streff with Finn Crom. Correct. Got mm-hmm. it. Um, Those are not like Swedish chairs. NPCs <laughs> from Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> no. or anything. Okay. Um, it's a it's a pretty literal adaptation of the the Peter Pan novel. So it was kind of weird and creepy and a little racist. Exactly. And weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but also, I mean, just beautifully drawn and and really really excellent. I highly recommend anyone checks it out. Um, if you if you care in the slightest about the Peter Pan story, just wonderful. Certainly, it's beautiful. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but it it looks very nice. Really soft, kind of muted tones and. Uh, not overly detailed, but yeah. um, but beautiful in its sparseness. Who's Streff? Yeah, so Anybody I tried know? to dig these these some info about these people, and they're they're relatively new to the scene. Yeah, Streff. There you Streff. are. There's like some deviant art pages, and that's about it. Cool. Yeah, there it is. Beautiful book. I like Finn Crom. I like Streff. <laughs> Good couple of names. Those might be some D and D names in the future in a future campaign, Marcus. Streff and Crom. There's just there's so many jokes to make about it. Like my my brain is just overloading, and I gotta move on. Yeah, there's wh- so many jokes to make about those names. Nick, what'd you pick this week? To m- Black Panther to move you on. To move you on. Black Panther number four is what I picked. Lovely, because I have a confession to make. Please, I was struggling with the last couple issues of Black Panther. Please. I had a hard I had a hard time with it. Yeah. Um. I saw that he was. I saw I was only reading it month by month. I was not going back and like kind of rereading them as they were coming out, which I think this series will benefit from. This is Black Panther from Marvel Comics, Tanahasi Coates and Brian Stalfreeze. Mm-hmm. It is a hugely celebrated book. It's one of the most popular books that we sell at any Vault of Midnight, and I dig it. I but I was having a hard time telling what was going on. It's a little dense. It's, Do you it's guys packed? And by dense, like there wasn't a lot of. I needed. Weirdly, I needed like some exposition, or I needed a character to like come in and tell me what was going on. I see because it was a lot of new characters. It was a lot of shit going down. He is building a very there is a revolution happening in Wakanda, and it is as complex as a fucking revolution. Like there's a lot of parties with a lot of different for sure stuff at stake. And it's not black and white. It's not cut and dry. It's complicated. It's super nuanced and super complicated. Yep. And I was having a hard time keeping everybody straight. I don't feel like that anymore after reading issue number four. I think it ties. It's a very. It's the most word heavy episode issue of the whole series yet, and it is. You know, it's Black Panther in council with the you know the his court advisors. It's his mom talking to her old mentor and friend, and it's like the the revolutionaries pulling strings behind the scenes and and trying to to make their moves, all doing it very explicitly and really like tying the whole thing together. And now I feel like I have a sense of what's going on in this world. There's also this really kick-ass map of Wakanda in the back. Do you guys see this? I sure did. So it's it's a. It talks about like the border with Naganda and like the the relevance of why that border is so important and like how the fact that it's surrounded on every side 
the fact that maybe Wakanda's prosperity is due to the fact that they um, stole resources and and uh, took advantage of this other these other folks. Yeah. So the the fact that they basically might have like overrun the breadbasket of their region and use that for resources. Like, it's not just the technology and the vibranium, but it's maybe because they screwed over their neighbors a little bit. Yep. It's so cool, and it's so nuanced, and it's exactly what I was hoping. And now I'm, I'm just... I was already on board. I was already liking it, uh, but now I'm, I'm digging it even more. Agreed. And I, I, I'll back you up there. It feels uh, the world that he's building is very steeped in, like, actual, like, you know, just stuff like border disputes and, yeah. and stuff like this that exists in the world. Uh, he's just touching base... On, on those kind of things, and and really fleshing out the history yeah. of the Panther, and and you can see Coates getting more comfortable with comic book writing, or at least I could in this one. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Heck it yeah. was it flowed a lot better than any of the other books to me. It it just like it made a lot more sense to read panel to panel than the, than some of the previous issues. I want to know more about uh. His mom's uh, advisor, her old friend that she goes to visit. Yeah. It's a very intriguing kind of side storyline. So, yeah. Yep, so we'll if see. you're not reading Black Panther, you're probably already reading Black Panther, but uh, read it. If you're not, it's crazy good. It is. That's Black Panther from Marvel Comics. Word up. Hey, guys. Yeah. So the fact that we were gone for two weeks means that a whole bunch of other comics came out over the past. Did two comics weeks? still come out if we don't podcast? Is that how it works? I didn't know that this was the case, but apparently this is the case. Okay, I asked them. I asked comics to just hold on yeah. until we got back, until we were ready for the podcast. But comics never returned my text. Classic. So did you got what was some of the best stuff that you read over the last couple weeks, Curtis? Man, Sabrina, uh, the teenage witch. The thrilling adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch finally came back. Uh-huh. It was delayed forever. So this is set in kind of uh, the horror line that Archie's been doing. They do Afterlife with Archie, which is zombies and a horror Archie comic set in Riverdale. And uh, Sabrina is the story of everybody's favorite teenage witch. This episode was a side story about her cat, Salem, and how Salem became used to be a person and how he came to be a cat and her familiar. Yeah. And it's like the cat like talking to a couple of snakes that used to be a prince and princess, and they're regaling their origin tales. It was excellent. Uh, the art is this guy, uh, Robert Hack. The art is incredible. And I just got to say, so the writer is this guy, uh, Roberto Aguera Sasca. Mm-hmm. This dude wrote a play about Archie coming out as gay about 10 years ago. Uh, two days before it was going to go live, uh, he got a cease and desist from Archie. Really? Yeah. Fast forward 10 years, he writes two of their best-selling books, and he's the chief creative officer of Archie Comics. That is, I did not know any of that shit. That's nope. so awesome. It's That's very cool. Totally rad, right? So that was a great book. Sabrina, jump in. The first trade just came out. Get it wherever books are sold, uh, or if you want to give it a taste, Sabrina 6. So it's a perfect spot to just jump in little side story. Because it's just a little Salem origin it's just story. About, it's about the, the familiars. Nice. The, a familiar, for those who don't know, is a witch's animal pet. Yeah. So. Can it does it have to be a witch's animal pet? It does not. It could be a witch or a wizard. As or long a wizard. As, as long as they're in that tree and not the sorcerer tree. I see. Sorcerers don't get familiars. Wizards ah. do. Can a dude just have a familiar? Um, unlikely. You could be a druid and have an animal companion, but they're different. Okay. okay. What What are you to me then, Marcus? A lover. A companion. That's a very good answer. What else did you read in the last <laughs> couple weeks that you liked? Uh, just real quick, uh, speaking of Archie, Betty and Veronica came out. Um, and I thought it was quite fun. Adam Hughes is doing the story and the art mm-hmm. on this book. I love how much they're fleshing out the kind of traditional Archie universe since compared to the horror one. We now have Archie, Betty and Veronica, and Jughead with all of their own titles. And I think the whole thing is just great. It's, oh, it's, I love real, it. it's a real blast. I can't remember the last time I've seen Adam Hughes. So this guy's a very famous, incredibly good artist. He does covers. Uh, Nick, can you think of the last time... Adam Hughes did Interiors? the inside of a comic book. I cannot. It's got to be ten years. Yeah, I'm gonna so, look it up. Uh, but uh, it's yeah. certainly beautiful. I'll say that I haven't read it yet, but I can't wait to give it a go. Yeah, and for you know Be- Betty and Veronica, I guess the phrase the kids would use today is they're frenemies. Got it. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, it's super interesting. I really loved it. I thought it was a beautiful book. The other book I read was The Hellblazer Rebirth Number One, and they're doing and? something really really smart. They're bringing John Constantine back to London. 
And I think that is the, just the smartest move they could make. How was it? Was it scary? Was, did it feel like a Hellblazer comic? You know, I just, I left it feeling like, man, I really wish they'd pull off the PG-13 gloves with John Constantine again. And they're just not going to do it. Right. Especially now that season two has been picked up by the CW so that Constantine can be part of the Arrowverse. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Cool. They're just not going to, you know, pull off. There's a weird appearance by the Justice League in this book that I think worked okay but it left me a little confused but overall i just think they're taking the book in the right direction i think them taking them back to the uk is really smart they're doing a lot of the like how does john constantine get his wizarding abilities and that's pretty rad so i'm gonna continue on and see see how i like it i i think um they're making some really smart choices for the character and while this issue number one had some ups and downs um i'm hoping it was more of a setup issue and we can start to dive into that like mysticism dig it I read uh, Black Hammer number one. Oh, yes. I uh, uh, got news for you guys. Go Jeff, ahead. Jeff Lemire is back. Did you know he was gone? I did not know that. He's back. Okay. Yeah, he's doing really Apparently well. Apparently he's been gone, but now he is back. This is Jeff Lemire at the top of his game. This book destroyed it. It was so goddamn good. So Dean Ormston uh, is doing the art, and it's kind of, it really matches Jeff Lemire's vibe. I'll agree with you. I think it looks a little Jeff Lemire, although maybe a little t- tighter, I guess. It's a little bit, there's a lot more going on than in, a J- in Jeff Lemire art. Like yep. it, he's got, he's just a little bit more meticulous. He's got a little bit more detail, but they both have this sense of the pastoral. Like there's just this, the images of the great outdoors and this barn and the fields and the trees. And like Jeff Lemire lives, eats, and poops that type of stuff. And uh, Dean Ormson is just nailing it. So this Agreed. is the story of these kind of, kind of like a Justice League. Definitely. Yeah, Golden Age superheroes, Abraham Slam, Colonel Weird, Barbalian, Golden Gal, Madam Dragonfly, and the mysterious Black Hammer, who so is not present great in this names. book. So all of these characters are trapped on a farm together. And they have, they're not aging, and they've been there for possibly decades. Like a very, very long time. It's getting weird up in there. They're not fighting crime anymore. They're just like getting up, eating breakfast, doing their chores, going to town. They are going, they're they're going a little stir crazy. They're fraying at the edges a little bit. It was a really cool book. It was very, very interesting. Jeff Lemire, man. Big ideas, big crazy characters, uh, but very, very close. Very, very character close. So, and something happens, right? They save like a city. And then they're like sequestered to what is this like another dimension? Even we don't or? know. We don't know. But right. something happened, and it has something to do with the Black Hammer, who was like one of their homies and on the team. But he's gone. He's not on the farm. So this is a uh, it's a superhero book ostensibly, but there's it's I'm just so excited. Little about Twilight it. Zone, little Twin Peaks, little horror. Yeah, yeah. It's got a it's got a vibe, uh, and it's just Jeff Lemire as good as it gets. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Black Hammer, number one from Dark Horse. Sweet. Uh, I also liked, and I know that you liked New Superman number one. I certainly did. So, um, so Gene Yang uh, came over to DC last year, and we were all super excited about that. Mm-hmm. We love this guy. Um, but he took o- over the reins of Superman, and I was wholly underwhelmed by his Superman run. Yeah. Editorially, I don't think he was able to do much with his run on Superman. Didn't really feel like a Gene Yang book. It didn't. It didn't really have any of his kind of flair or personality. Felt like a company so. book. Yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, New Superman, I think, was, is him cutting loose. They let, they're letting Gene Yang do his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gene Yang thing. You thank you. And uh, New Superman number one is a little bit more Peter Parker. It's about a young Chinese uh, Superman. Yeah, uh, and he's kind of a bully. He's he is. Yeah. He's kind of a dick. Yep. And he gets scooped up by Chinese authorities and is injected with Superman powers. Yep. More or less. And we get to learn a little bit about this kid and about his family and what's going on with him. But he is he is now ostensibly the Chinese Superman. Because of like this random thing that happens on the street that the media happened to catch wind of. Right. It was really cool. It was very, a good first issue. Very excited for uh, more of that. So uh, glad to see that DC's like taking advantage of uh, of a superstar talent like that. And, yeah. And the, you know, cut loose, man. Letting them do something a little weird. Yep. Do you, yep. Do you think there was like a deal there? Like DC was like, hey, we got to finish out the Superman run for New Fifty Two. 
why don't you finish out the Superman run, and we'll give you your and own then book. we'll let you do uh, your yeah, thing. Yeah, I wonder. I wouldn't speculate. Who oh. knows? Call up Gene. <laughs> Let's call there up. There we my, go. Call up my good friend Gene Yang. There you go. Uh, so yeah, give it a give it a look. It's out and it's awesome. Uh, please do. And at the end, uh, it's not too much of a spoiler, but uh, there's there's more Chinese uh, superheroes to come. Yeah. So there you go. Also, in the last couple of weeks, the Eisner Awards were announced. These are the big awards in comics. The y'all, hugest. Y'all remember this? We talk about this them shits all the time. I kind of remember it. Yeah, this, over the San Diego Comic-Con, every year they announce the winners. I have a fun little game I'd like to play. Please. I want to tell you the nominees, and you tell me who you think won. If I'm not mistaken, Marcus, at least you haven't seen the winners to the Eisner Awards. I have not. Curtis, have you seen any of the I winners? I have also not seen them. Are you being truthful? I am being 100% truthful. Look at my eyes. Look at me. Look at, am, my eyes. Look, at, look at me. All right. These okay. Shit. Let's uh let's play our let's play our little game, gentlemen. I'm going head to head with Curtis, and I'm excited about it. So well, you should be scared. Welcome to my mind puzzle chamber. <laughs> the best single issue or one shot nominees were "A Blanket of Butterflies" by Richard Van Camp and Scott B. Henderson. I love this part by Tilly Walden. Mowgli's Mirror by Oliver Schwerin. Pope Hats Number no. Four by Ethan Rilly. And Silver Surfer Number no. Eleven by Dan Slott and Michael Allred. Marcus, what's your pick? Silver Surfer. I feel like Curtis, you can see the screen right now. I can't see I'm gonna the screen. I need you to turn I'm, I'm slightly at the number that way. I'm not looking at the screen. I'm going to say Silver Surfer because it's the only one of those that I read, and it's a really great comic book. The correct answer is Silver Surfer Number no. One, but already I feel like the process is tainted. Let's move on. Best continuing series. Yeah. Bandette from Paul Tobin. Oh, that was the timer. I it's think. Like, is that the fire alarm? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> jump out the window. Just jump out the nearest window. Best continuing series. Bandette by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover. Giant Days from Boom Studios. I'm just going to say the publisher from now on. Invincible from Image Comics. Silver Surfer from Marvel. And Southern Bastards from Image Comics. Marcus, what is your choice? Your choice. I'm going. Mm. I'm going again with Silver Surfer. And Curtis? I'm going with Southern Bastards because obviously it's the best one. The answer is Southern Bastards. <laughs> that is uh, one, two to one, Curtis Sullivan. Best limited series. Here we go. Now it's getting real. Can we get real for a second here? Let's get real. If you must. Chrononauts by Mark Miller. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Fade Out from Image Comics. Lady Killer from Dark Horse. Oh. Minimum Wage from Image Comics. And The Spire from Boom Studios. Oh, some good choices. Man, The Spire is going up against Chrononauts right now. This is my shit. I feel and like I, like I want to throw up. In the end of the day, I think neither of them. I think it's Fade Out. I'm going to throw a curveball and say Lady Killer. The winner is The Fade Out. <laughs> Fade Out's a great book. It's a great book. Two to two. Marcus two. Curtis two. Best new series, Bitch Planet from Image, Harrow County from Dark Horse, Kaiju Max from Oni, Monstrous from Image, Paper Girls from Image, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl from Marvel. Man, those are so many good books. Curtis, I want to know Curtis's pick this time. Let's start out with Curtis. I'm going Monstrous, homie. Monstrous for best new series. Bitch Planet, I guarantee it. The answer is Paper Girls. No shit! Great comic. It's a great comic. Those are all great comics. We're still sitting at two to two. No shit. That's a great book. I think the tension is building right now. (laughs) I am in love with Paper Girls, but Monstrous, you guys, you should give it it another look. It's total garbage. I can't believe you guys are in for that. Um, Let's see here. We're going to say, we're going to pick, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Come on, best author. Here we go. Let's get to the real shit, Let's get to the real shit. Let's go best writer. Jason Aaron. John Allison, who did Giant Days. Mm. Ed Brubaker, mm. who's Fade Out, Velvet, Criminal, Image. Marjorie Liu, who did Monstrous. And G. Willow Wilson for Miss Marvel. Damn it. Wow, that's tough. Marcus, who is your pick? Jason Aaron, John Allison, Ed Brubaker, Marjorie Liu, or G. Willow Wilson? Two to two. I think we're all tied up. You can't ignore. I think it's Jason Aaron, and I think it's because of Star Wars. I'm gonna also, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curver because yep. I think Miss Marvel's the best. I'm going G Willow Wilson. The winner was Jason Aaron. Damn it! Three to two. Marcus three. 
Curtis II. And the Jedi becomes... <laughs> Fuck, I even fucked up the analogy. I'm so excited. We're going to wrap this up really <sighs> and soon. And the Jedi becomes the Padawan. Oh, no. So uh, before... We're, we're, all right, so this is going to be the last one. If you guys both tie on this, then mm-hmm. we're going to go to a lightning round. Okay, got okay. it. Best penciler, inker, or penciler, inker team. Mike Allred for Silver Surfer and Art Ops. Cliff Chang for Paper Girls. Erica Henderson from Jughead and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Joelle Jones for Lady Killer and Brides of Helheim, and Nate Powell for March, book two. This is for Best Penciler Slash Inker. That's a fucking list. That's a selection. Curtis? I'm going Cliff Chang. Um, Three seconds. I want it to be Eric Three seconds to reply. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Allred. The answer is Cliff Chang. So that's three to three. This is the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? I am now ready. I don't know why round. it's a lightning round, but the next person to get a right answer wins. Okay? Yep. Okay, do we win anything, or is it just... Absolutely not. We, okay. get to, you, we get to go on to the next segment. Got it. So let's do this. Best cover artists. David Aha, or Aja. I think it's Aha. David Aha. Aha! Raphael Al- Albuquerque. Amanda Connor, Joel Jones, and Ed Piscor. Shit. This is for best cover artist. Curtis, what's your pick? Give me the list one more time. David Nick. Aha, mm-hmm. Raphael Albuquerque, mm-hmm. Amanda Connor, Joel Jones, and Ed Piscor. Going Raphael Albuquerque. I'm going Aha for his Scarlet Witch. And it's David Aha for the win. God darn it, Marcus, you son of a gun. Marcus, if you can see Marcus right now, he's doing a little stupid little dance. You win the curse of Will Eisner. Will Eisner is going to visit you, and he's going to tell you about all the mistakes you've made this year since last Christmas. <laughs> Not the curse of Will <laughs> Eisner. Sorry, buddy. It was a trick prize. That's fine. I just... Dude, aha, Scarlet Witch covers are so fucking dope. Well I can done. Draw. I love how like winded and excited you are about winning that fake contest I we just, just made up. It's Curtis. He's he's working <laughs> in the industry since I was a fucking kid. Well, well the done, Jedi gentlemen. has become finally the, <laughs> the Padawan. Padawan. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Do we have we have three minutes left on the hour? Do you want to do a board game review? Let's do it. Okay. Hit me. One more time. We haven't done... You know what? If we're going to do issue 100, we might as well... Let's do the whole shebang. I need a, I need a board game review. Turn on podcast. the lava lamp, bitch. I'm ready. Wow. I'll turn it on right now. I'll, I'll sit turn on it. it. I'm turning it on. I'm going to sit on it and so that it heats up faster. Oh, are you going to use the power of your butt? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. To make it go faster. So, guys, um, I'm in, I'm in love with a little board game. And it's called... It's called Blueprints. It's really? put out by Z-Man Games. Okay. Soon to be Soon to be Asmodee Z-Man Games, and which means you should buy it now because we're never going to see it again. Wow. Um, so uh, <laughs> this is, Z-Man does something really cool. They put out games for under $25, and uh, they put out a lot of them. They're kind of the all same size. Uh, Arboretum is probably the most popular out of that selection. Um and so when Blueprints came out and saw that it was kind of in that same world, I was very, very excited. Uh, so the idea behind Blueprints is there are dice that are different colors. Those different colors are different building resources. I see. At the beginning of the round, everyone uh, gets a card that has a blueprint on it. Um, and that's just kind of a design for how you're going to have to stack your dice. And build something. And, and build a little structure. And this is all done behind the veil. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a little card sleeve that shows them all the points. You build in secret? You build in secret. Cool. So every round we're all going to pick a die. It's essentially a drafting game. You pick a die and then replace the pool, and then someone else picks a die, replace the pool, and we go around until we all have six dice, and we've stacked them. Now, you can follow your blueprint, and that'll give you bonus points for the round, or you can say, F that. You can just build willy-nilly in the hopes of being able to accomplish these other tasks. So if you stack five dice in a row, if you go one, two, three, four, five, if you're all the same color die, you can earn bonus points. Mm. So you have a choice. You can either follow your blueprint and hope to get bonus points, or you can just build willy-nilly and try to get the bonus stuff. The game takes about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I've never built something as I've played a game which is really interesting. 
You know, because you're really? stacking dice to make a very specific shape. Okay. And that's really interesting to me, mm-hmm. that concept. Um, I played it with my roommate, Tom, and it's just, I think what this game fills is like, hey, we're going to play Time Stories tonight. Our fourth isn't here yet. We got 15, 20 minutes. Blueprints is a great game. An in-between game, yeah, if you will. Yeah, filler game. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just phenomenal. I would, I highly encourage everyone to check it out before Z-Man gets acquired by Asmodee and we never see it again. And uh, I think it's a great filler game. And I think for the money, you're going to get a lot of time out of it. Nice. Because we talk about it all the time, right? You, you spend 50 bucks on a game. How many times do you play it? Exactly. And then it's money per play. But it's a nice under 25. Yeah. Get a bunch of plays out of it. I so think a great value. So it's dice. It's a little light. It's a little random, and that's okay. Yeah. And there's a dexterity thing to it, kind of. Yeah. Because you're building something. Yeah, and essentially it's a... I mean, what it really is is it's a drafting puzzle game mm-hmm. because the dice ah. the dice react differently as how you place them in your structure. So there's the puzzle of these are the dice available. I want to get the most points, but it's also I'm drafting to try to get the best combinations. Dig it. It's Lovely. it's beautiful. I think it's a really 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 fun game. I Blueprints. Like, I like games where you have a little shield too, and then you do your little secret maneuvers well, behind your little, little shield. And the little shields give you all of the ways to score. Yeah, looky loo there. So it's essentially a little instruction manual on each shield. I love it. It's great. Very cool. Blueprints twenty four ninety nine from Zaman Games. I love Zaman. Very good. Um, hey, thank you for joining us on this, our 100th episode of Super Skull. We kept it pretty mellow, kept it just pretty standard, and that's the way we like it. Well, it's because we forgot everything we thought we knew yeah. about podcasting. It was pretty. It was bad timing, but we did it. Uh, but it's, it's a pleasure as always. I will do this with you guys. Um, absolutely, we should record this podcast five or six more times, I think. Cool. Really good idea. Okay. Don't you just think? Just five or six more? I'm just saying, uh, let's not put a hard cap on it. Okay. But. You want to at least make it to like episode 106. Well, the cliche would be, let's do it 100 more times. But frankly, that sounds fucking exhausting well, to me. we're going to do it. All we right, will. We'll probably just do it anyway. Right. Um, uh, yeah, please enjoy this uh, little thing that our producer and editor, Rachel Polk, put together of us over the course of 100 episodes. And thank you very much for listening and for giving a shit. It's a lot of fun, and we wouldn't do it if you didn't listen to it. So thank you very much. I'd probably do it if nobody listened, but... That's basically what you've been doing your whole life. Whoa! about what comics are coming out this week, what's going on in the comic book industry, and other random things we feel like we have the credentials to talk about. Hold on a second. This week on Super Skull, issue number 14, we are joined by a very special guest, Vault of Midnight staffer Amanda Aquino. Plus, our comic book picks for the week of November 11th, 2014, and plenty of speculation about stuff we kind of know about. Comic Book News Podcast. I am Marcus Schwimmer, joined by my co-workers This week on Super Skull, we defeat the scourge of winter and receive our comics at the last possible minute, plus an examination of that warm feeling you get sometimes for various reasons. Alrighty, welcome to Super Skull, your weekly new comic day audio digest recorded live to tape. From our semi-soundproof cosmic spire orbiting the moon. Our producer and editor is Rachel Polk. Alright, we had very special assistance today from Matt Dubay helping us get set up while Rachel is like gallivanting in Europe. 
right now? Apparently. Must be nice. We are like children. We have no idea what the fuck we're doing, and he's had to come and help us many, many times, and he's just the best dude. Our music was created by A-Bomb. Super Skull is also recorded every week at the Ann Arbor District Library. That's true. Uh, If you would, please subscribe, download, and review the Super Skull show on the old iTunes. I think after 100 episodes, I think it's worth a review. Don't you think? I think it is. Could you please? Yeah. We don't ask for very much, you know? (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Also, we're all over the internet. You can find us Super Skull Show is our handle. SuperSkullShow.com is our website. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight, Earth's finest comic books and stuff and podcasts since 1996. Thank you so much for joining us for 100 episodes. My name is Nick Weibar. I'm Marcus Schwarmer. And I am Captain Skulls. And we wish you good reading until next week. We'll say it on the 100th. Oh, on the 100th, yeah, because we don't have another one. Exactly. So I forgot how to be charming. I forgot how to be funny. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marcus, this won't be a problem for you because there's there was nothing to forget. Oh my goodness! So we're just gonna st- we're just gonna just start those, out getting those sweet burns yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just hot fire. Well, how you, how you I think ready? that you're a really kind dude and a mentor, and I appreciate I'll- you as a human being. Burn! <sighs> what? Burn! That was really We're f- friends! Yes! That was really effective. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. You're right. That he was flipped really that effective. shit on you yeah. quick like...